0: Welcome back to Twibbly or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. My name is Bill with 1L with me. He loves the smell of napalm in the morning. It's (laughs) Jeff McClard Huge.
1: (laughs) Smells like victory or Uh, gasoline or both or victory gasoline. Hey, man, how's it going? It smells like corn puffs. Smells like Apocalypse Now.
0: What was that? Pops? I gotta have my pops. Remember that cereal? That was corn, that was corn, corn pops. pops. Sugar corn pops was
1: the stupid frog. Right. Uh, those, that was those,
0: those are sugar smacks. Sugar uh, smacks.
1: Yes. Yeah. Sugar pops corn, were the corn pops.
0: Corn pops. That was, my brother loved that cereal. That stuff smelled like napalm in the morning. Because that uh, what a crappy, horrible smelling cereal it, that It was.
1: has it has the uh, texture of um, sugar coated styrofoam packing peanuts. It's not yeah. a pleasant cereal to eat.
0: Yeah, they just stunk too. So like, yeah. I think my, I think that was one of those things. Where, like my brother would get it so that I wouldn't eat his cereal.
1: <laughs> those of us with siblings have we've all done that. You cultivate a love for things like all bran. Like why do you eat that? It looks like pine needles. Because you won't eat it. That's why. And I wanted some cereal for breakfast this week. You also do that as a parent. I'll have you know, grape nuts, the child repellent cereal of.
0: You know what happened to me? I mean, I didn't have a food that I could like enjoy. The- that my brother wouldn't steal. Like I, I never had that strategy, but I do have this weird strategy that I, I have to this day. Okay. Back in my twenties, I had a friend that didn't really like have a job. I don't know if his parents fed him. I don't know what his story was, but like if I ever got something to eat, he would always be like, can I have a piece of that? You know, can I have one of those? <laughs>
1: oh, oh, no,
0: oh, oh, go right? away. Like, one time he was, like, on the phone, and I'm like, now's my chance. And I'm, like, unwrapping, it was like a pudding pie or something like uh-huh. that. And, like, I'm, I'm, like, unwrapping it, like, like quietly so I can enjoy this to myself. And then he just, like, puts his hand on the phone. He's like, can I have a piece of that? And I'm like, you mother and I smash it in his face. Here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh! Right? Take the so, whole thing. So to this day, if you ever like happen to go to like McDonald's with me, like if you're going to get your filet of fish or whatever, right? Oh,
1: yeah. World's greatest sandwich right there.
0: Yeah. You will notice that I will eat all of my French fries first before I eat anything else.
1: That's so you don't have to share those things, man.
0: That is a habit I picked up from hanging out with that dude because I know if I didn't devour my French fries on the spot, his hand would be in the bag, digging around, grabbing fries out of my bag. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I've actually had people like say, why do you eat all the fries first? I'm like, survival methods, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, now I understand. Like, But when I was a kid, my parents would eat things that they knew we wouldn't like and they would make a big show out of how much they enjoyed it and that was so that, they could, that we wouldn't be interested in it at all, and then they oh. could swap out whatever that terrible thing was for something we did like. <laughs> so they did that with, like, Jarlsberg cheese, which I still don't like. And they would be like, oh, it's so good and nutty and smoky and this and that, and I'd be like, ugh. It tastes <laughs> like somebody describing a shoe. It's awful. <laughs> and and then, you know, when we got reinterested in the, you know, Hardy Boys mysteries or something on TV, they'd start eating, like, the Whisperide wine cheddar cheese, which was really good and we all liked. <laughs> So they'd use it as a smokescreen.
0: My mother's bait and switch was Moxie soda.
1: Oh God, punishment soda. That's like soda for bad kids on Christmas. You know, this root beer is okay. What happens if we take all the sugar out of it? If you could make black licorice a taste like soda, that's (laughs) Moxie. It's a black licorice soda.
0: So like my mom, like she was like a spy in a former life, I'm convinced. Because she bought Moxie and she like put it in the refrigerator, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks like Coca-Cola. So I went over there one time and I grabbed the Moxie because I figured it's Coke and I poured myself a glass and I drank it down and I basically spit it out and I'm like, what the hell is this? And right. I'm pretty sure from that point forward, my mom would buy Moxie and like dove it, you know, dunk it down the drain and right. then fill it up with Coke so she could have
1: Coca-Cola for herself. That's well, possible. Yeah. I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm above that. <laughs> with two children but uh i might have done similar things so that i can have some orange juice in the morning on saturday he and meg <laughs> but that sort of subterfuge becomes necessary when you have siblings or you have you have children of your own and it's uh it's funny because you can play around with it the other way too because as you know as you grow up you become somebody who can do things like eat hot food and maintain your composure <laughs> so you can oversell how good something tastes that you know doesn't taste good, but you'll be able to eat it and smile, and, and then you hand it to them and watch their reaction.
0: I did that one time. We were out in Ohio, and you know I, I'm not really a drinker, but I figured, hey, put your feet up kind of a deal, and I got myself a Bloody Mary, because I, I do like Bloody Marys, right? Mm-hmm. But I told the bartender, I was like, I want you to make it extra hot. If you normally put one of the Tabasco, I want you to put it in like three or four. Mm-hmm. So I'm over there, you know, I'm sipping on my Bloody Mary, and my friend Sean comes up to me and he sees that I have a drink in my hand. He's like, You're drinking? I go, Eh, whatever. It's a Bloody Mary. He's like, Can I have a sip? I'm like, Yeah, you can have a sip. (laughs) So he takes a sip out of it, and he just like, his eyes just like open up wide. He looks right at me and just like deadpan, he goes, Oh, I hate you. (laughs) <laughs> and then like two or three seconds later he's like yelling he's like what the hell is the matter with you <laughs> I, I should have did that with the french fries alright it is time to get the show started but before we get said show said started I have my very popular and always well received trivia question of the week
1: there are yay <laughs> yeah, yay
0: <laughs> there are in the English language only two words that contain three consecutive double letters.
1: Three consecutive double letters. So like in the word Mississippi, like I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. But that's consecutive.
0: No, they have to be in a a run, though.
1: Oh, okay. So no I in between. So no I-I-I. Right. All right. Well, think it over. Pull them together. All right. I'm going to think it over. All
0: right. But this is the week beginning June the 28th. And according to my
1: extensive bookkeeping, it is your turn to start. Well, according to my extensive bookkeeping bill... I'm going to throw a party. I should say, I'm inviting you to a party that I threw two days ago. (laughs) Just like in 2009 when Stephen Hawking hosts a party for time travelers at the University of Cambridge with champagne and a band and everything else uh, and sends the invites out after the party has ended. Because if time travel was possible, they would still be able to come to the party by traveling back past the delivery point of the invitations and arriving at the party on time. Now, who did this? Stephen Hawking so he probably spent a long time in his wheelchair like listening to disco music by himself because by all accounts no one showed up but him and the band right
0: like if that guy could get his hands up in the air he would just like give them the finger
1: right right he would definitely be and i, I think it's an interesting way to sort of prove that the that time travel isn't something that can exist Mm-hmm. is to do that kind of thing because that's the sort of weird test that you could put together that would work. Right. The problem with it is uh, time travelers could say like, well, this is obviously a trap and not go <laughs> if there are time travelers, thus undoing the ability to prove that time travel doesn't exist. <laughs> the, the
0: protest crowd,
1: what do we want? Time travel. When do we
0: want it? That's irrelevant.
1: <laughs> right, exactly, yes. But I, I sort of like it as a thought exercise. As somebody who writes science fiction, it's interesting to me to think about how time can be manipulated. Yeah,
0: Did you, you ever see those videos like on YouTube where they have like quote-unquote time travelers? I have. Like well, they like they distort their voice and distort their face. Like I'm from the year <laughs> yes. 2048. And, yeah, I just... here to t- and like that, the one I just watched the other day was a couple of months old. The guy was saying – President Trump wins the second term and the election in uh, two thousand twenty. It's like, well, no, that didn't that didn't happen. Right. And uh, another one, the guy said he was like from the year six thousand, a nice round number. He was like holding up a photograph of something from the year six thousand. It's like a photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have those. They don't. Even, <laughs> they don't even have those in twenty twenty
1: one. I've seen that guy too. The ones I like, though, is, as far as stuff on YouTube goes are the ones that are enigmatic. So there's that cool video of somebody walking behind Charlie Chaplin in one of his films, uh, who's a woman who looks like she's on a cell phone. Right. There's another one with people who are walking out of a Motorola plant in like 1913, and there's another woman who looks like she's talking on a cell phone.
0: I saw one where the guy was like wearing almost like 1990s style clothes with like right, at, the flannel at, shirt at and the, the T-shirt. Yep. Yeah.
1: I've seen that one, too. And there's there's a bunch of, like, weird and enigmatic ones. And I always thought that would be an interesting way to find out if that's a if that's a thing. Just because, eventually, the amount of recorded evidence would be so great that you couldn't not find one if one existed. Right.
0: And, and I think the reason why they, like, distort the face and distort the voice is because, like, someone's going to know that guy. It's going to be
1: like, oh, f*** off, Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's Tom. Tom talks that <laughs> all the time. He thinks he, he, he watches so much Doctor Who. He doesn't he thinks he lives in a friggin' phone booth. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, moving on to the 29th. The 29th we have a weird holiday, International Mud Day.
1: Hey, it's my favorite day to mix water and dirt.
0: Yeah. Uh, sometimes I get some dirt and and some water together.
1: Is it only International Mud though, or is it mud all over the world, or is it just mud from other places than where oh, you live? Oh
0: no, no, it's international. It is that is a worldwide thing, dude. Oh. That's yep. Adobe, be damned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what the hell's there's somebody on this planet, dude. Apparently, people all over the world that mud is so important to them that they they were like God damn it, we need our own day.
1: I have a feeling this is like international, like, glazed donut day, though, that it was just sort of put together by the mud industry to try and drive mud sales on Mud Day.
0: You know what? It was probably like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails who was just trying to relive his Woodstock
1: 1994 glory. (laughs)
0: yeah did you ever watch those did you watch the woodstock 94 and then they did the other one 1999
1: i never watched any of them 94 i was uh i was finishing college and had no cable tv and in 99 i was already married and had moved away from home and was working full time and i just didn't have time for it um
0: 94 you know for for 1990s um, I wasn't a kid. I was in my twenties, but still, I mean, that's kind of like our era, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, it was iconic. The Nine Inch Nails performance, you know, covered in mud, was one thing. Green Day was, you know, they would, they had just broken big, and their performance was really good. And they had like a a big mud fight with the audience. Like the audience was just like throwing mud at the stage, and they were throwing it back. It was a mess. That's actually a fun performance to uh, go back and watch. And then Woodstock 1999, like if I ever write my memoirs, that's how chapter 13 is going to start. The 90s ended exactly like I had always predicted they would, on fire.
1: <laughs> my least favorite era of music comes to an end with my least favorite band starting the least favorite riot.
0: Yeah, oh my God. Imagine being Limp Biscuit. Like imagine being Fred Durst, just like going to bed every night thinking to yourself, not only was I in Limp Biscuit, but I set Woodstock on fire fire
1: i may- i wake up every day and i'm still fred durst yeah. oh. i i don't know what's worse the, the fact that i
0: made sure that woodstock never ever ever happens again or the fact that i i'm fred durst
1: <laughs> he may have been the spark that lit the flame but i think it was the organizers that 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 pretty much torpedoed woodstock with four dollar bottles of water and not letting enough people in and not having enough bathrooms and them never getting clean and it being a giant fiasco
0: Yeah, praying for a mud pit at that point.
1: If the worst thing that happened was a mud pit, they got off lucky. (laughs) All
0: right, let's uh, skip ahead to the 30th. Ah, the 30th,
1: 1999. That's where the TV show uh, South Park released their film Bigger Longer Uncut, which uh, astonished everybody by being nominated for Academy Award for music, for Best Musical Score. And losing... To the Lion King, I think was it Lion King? No, it was the one that Phil Collins scored. So I can't remember which one that is. Quasimodo, something like that. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, maybe. Hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah, maybe that. that maybe that was the one. And uh yeah, you don't f- with Phil Collins. <laughs> That's the thing. The South Park bigger, longer, uncut was incredibly funny. Yeah, uh, and it was the show itself kind of got by on being like sort of bad-mouthed, very topically relevant kids, and boy oh boy, was the movie that. Times a hundred. It was so funny. There are still scenes in that that make me fall over laughing. Anything with Satan and Saddam Hussein oh, right. on the screen at the same time is the funniest things in in those films. So that
0: that movie uh, that movie has more swears per minute than any other movie. Yeah, it actually originally got an X rating because of the scene whenever Saddam Hussein like pulls out. His, <laughs> like it's on his, pulls out his, bleak out, his yeah. penis yeah and he's like he goes hey satan and he pulls it out <laughs> and they come on it's not and real they real. gave it a next rating so <laughs> he did it twice to prove that it was like you know uh, a fake penis yeah. and all that right. so yeah did it once they got an x-ray they do it twice they back down to an r which is wicked funny
1: when I, I saw that film in a in a second run cinema so i didn't see it when it first first came out i saw it a month or so later i was there with my friend dan my wife and sitting in seats that are broken because it's two dollars to get into the cinema as we're sitting there waiting for the movie to start this these two women come in with like nine seven to eight year old kids <laughs> And they all sat in front of us i was like oh boy this isn't gonna be good so the two adults are on the outside of this run of kids in the middle i don't think they were five minutes into the movie i see the two the two women sort of look at each other and they start shaking their heads and they're like come on we're leaving and like they grabbed all the kids and they all took off it was so funny i mean
0: after you get past the opening song the very next song or the next scene is is uncle yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes which if you're if you ever get to a point in your life where you're all done laughing at that movie which hopefully that never happens but if you ever get to a point in your life where you're all done laughing at that movie put the movie on and put on the french soundtrack for it (laughs) yep and listen to the song uncle in french it is twice
1: as funny oh god okay cool i will do that (laughs) That show's still on. Yeah. Like, it's still, it's it's been going around since, like, 99. It's been, they have a zillion episodes. And, and uh, it's not a dead horse, either. They're still, it's they're, not, they're no. still
0: cranking out really quality, uh, cartoons yeah
1: and their process from going from like stuff that is in the news the same week that the show airs like they've like super duper streamlined the animation process and built their own technology that makes it possible to sort of do that kind of stuff and like the show's way more innovative technically than you would think it's just amazing that they're able to do that funny guys man they hit a home run and then they tried to get a, a jump shot when the film basketball which came out not long after that and it didn't do so well
0: I don't care. I love that movie unconditionally. I love that movie like parents love their own children. <laughs> I think that movie's hilarious. I can tell. Yep. So speaking of baseball, a hero to baseball players everywhere. So uh, on July the 1st, the first sports writer to get punched by a major league baseball player.
1: <laughs> what month in 1970 to
0: 1979 was that, Bill? <laughs> no, it wasn't in the 70s. It was, no. uh, you know, it was... Uh, 1892, July first, 1892, the outfielder for the Chicago Cubs, Jimmy Ryan, punches George Betchel right in the mouth.
1: Wow. And I'm gonna guess George Betchell was like he had on a bowler hat and he had like a big like walrusy mustache. and He's like and he'd been writing terrible things in a newspaper like Mr. Jimmy Ryan. With his dapper pants, has been unable to capture the ball at any time during the game. And then, pow! Like old timey boxing punch, right in the right in the kisser.
0: And then he just like herumphed his way across the field.
1: <laughs> I also imagine that uh, Jimmy, the baseball player, has a cigar in his mouth for the entire time that he's alive.
0: Jimmy Ryan, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He looks exactly like I thought he would look. Yeah, he's got he's got like his arms folded again. I, 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 he was a bit of a tough ass, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. And, well, that was the first time, but it wasn't the only time that he punched a reporter.
1: <laughs> Maybe he was having trouble at home. I look at the picture of him at, at Wikipedia, and he looks like somebody would have a hit and wrench. <laughs> I'm going to get my hit and wrench, and like <laughs> somebody, somebody will just de- definitely take it to you if you look at him the wrong way. And, and it looks like no matter which way you look at him, it's yep. going to be the wrong way.
0: Yeah, you could just see him, like, sat to, like, take off his belt, right? Right. And then the, the second incident was in 1896, where he punched a train conductor, <laughs> <laughs> punched a train conductor after losing his place, and his teammates had gone to bed. So they were, like, on on route to another, you know, another game right, right. down the road, and he just got pissed, and he punched a train conductor in the mush.
1: Yep. Nice. It sounds like a guy who had a ton of friends. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of dude you want to go out with after the game. Yep, uh, throw down a few beers because it's going to be clobbering time.
0: The uh, the manager, uh, Captain Arson, there stopped stopped the fun as he put it. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah. Never never get into a fight with your Uber driver. As uh, yeah. as my mom used to tell me. Yes, <laughs> definitely.
1: Definitely words to live by. I think that was first written in by Abner Doubleday when he was building the rules for baseball. (laughs) All
0: right. Let's get on
1: to the next day. July the 2nd. What do you got? Hey, speaking of the 1800s, in 1843, July 2nd, 1843, an alligator falls from the sky during a thunderstorm in Charlestown, South Carolina.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait. Say that again because this is what I thought you said. An alligator fell from the sky. That's what I thought you said.
1: That's exactly what I said. An alligator <laughs> fell from the sky during a thunderstorm in Charlestown, South Carolina. You don't have to believe me because I have the article from the, from the Times Picayune that <laughs> describes it as it happened. Are we ready? No. Wait. What state did you say this is? Charlestown, South Carolina.
0: Isn't that, like, right around the same place where that nuclear bomb fell? Couple, Remember we yeah. talked about that a yes. couple weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, I think
1: it is, yes. They definitely have a, a, a problem with stuff falling from the sky. Imagine if it's the same people. What a week I'm having! You know, since it's 1843, there's probably no plane going by with somebody trying to adjust their seat and accidentally discharging the alligator. <laughs> Oh, we dropped the alligator. Oh, man, there's going to be so much paperwork for this. Oh, Carl, I got bad news. I I
0: accidentally sat down on the alligator deployment button. (laughs) I don't even know why we have
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, so 1843, and and it was described as thus in the Times-Picayune. Sunday week was a terrible day for its heat in Charlestown, South Carolina, according to all its editors. But towards the night, the oppressiveness of the weather was relieved by a thunderstorm of which and a ludicrous incident connected therewith. The Mercury gives the following account. The thunderstorm of Sunday night, the winding up of one of the most oppressive days ever inflicted on mortal man, was really terrific. The whole firmament growled thunder and shot lightning. It was blinding to look out, and at frequent intervals, the thunderbolts burst overhead with a power that shook the solidest structures, then rolled with angry growlings along the wings of the storm. St. Paul's church was struck but not seriously injured beyond this we have heard of no casualty unless we may account as such the raining down of an alligator of about two feet long at the corner of wentworth and anson streets
0: let's unpack this for a second here
1: i'm thinking gus
0: right gus the the, the crazy guy that lives down the street from you yes gus had been sitting on this choke for months and
1: <laughs> and
0: he built himself an alligator catapult
1: I think that you, you're, you're on to something.
0: When that lightning bolt struck the church, he released the gator and just boom and then <laughs> Chompy goes flying through the air and lands on
1: somebody's front porch. Yeah. The article continues, We have not been lucky enough to find anyone who saw him come down, but the important fact that he was there is incontestable. So I think that that lends a tremendous amount of credence to the alligator catapult theory of yours, Bill. Yep.
0: Nobody saw it come down, but Gus... Has an alibi. That's all Right.
1: Ironically enough, all the neighborhood chickens (laughs) disappeared not long after the thunderstorm.
0: It doesn't say that the alligator survived the fall,
1: does it? It does not. I'm going to guess it did. Alligators are pretty hardy. I would assume so. They've been around for millions of years.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. Let's, uh, Let's get on to the third. All right. July the 3rd, 1940, the Abbott and Costello radio show. Makes its debut on NBC Radio. Uh, sponsored, by, oh, nice. yeah, sponsored by Camel Cigarettes. Well, those
1: don't get advertised anymore. No, not much. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't hear a lot about them. Yeah. Brought to you by the hack and cough industry. Yep.
0: Uh, All those commercials. Because I have a bunch of the old Abbott. Well, I used to have a bunch of the old Abbott and Costello shows on
1: cassette. Mm-hmm. My parents, there's a
0: generation skip between me and my I mean, of course, there's a generation skip.
1: Yeah, it would be weird if there wasn't. Yeah, though.
0: I went to high school with my own parents. Um, <laughs> my name's Marty McFly. Yeah. No, there was. there's a, a, a double generation skip between my, my parents and myself. My parents were both well into their 40s when I was born. But my parents were both born in the 1920s. They grew up with Abbott and Costello and stuff like that. So by proxy, so did I. Just like... You know, yeah, you're going to watch movies from, like, the 80s and the 90s sometimes with your kids. You know, that's how I was growing up. I watched, like, movies from, you know, the 40s and the old classic horror movies. And my father loved Abbott and Costello movies. So we'd watch those all the time whenever they were on, like, the movie loft or whatever. So we used yep. to have all these cassettes. Oh, the movie loft. Yeah. We used to have all these cassettes at Abbott and Costello radio shows. And even to this day, I'll go back and I'll listen to them because there's plenty of podcasts
1: that have the old shows on them. Yeah, that's true. And and I know I can find them on, like, as just audio recordings on YouTube too. And they're funny. They're holed up. Like, that kind of language humor, it, it's hard to make that not funny. Right. And there's so much wordplay that that still keeps it fresh and fun to listen to even now.
0: Right. I mean, and you take something like Who's On First, which is the absolute right. classic Abbot and Costello. Right sketch you know you've heard it a million times and you know you and i could probably just spit it right out almost wor- you know word for word or at least close enough to it but their delivery of it is so masterful right. if you and i do it it's not that funny they do it it's hilarious
1: it's hilarious yep i agree i agree and there's something to be said too when you the only medium that you have is what your ear can hear you have to uh, crafting the humor, crafting the joke takes time. You have to consider that you, you're limited to sort of like one dimension, right, or one way of getting that information in. Uh, sort of like what we're doing here, right? There's no pictures of us; we're not on video or anything like that. So,
0: for better, or for worse.
1: So, yeah. for better, or for worse. So the amount, like the amount of work that they have to do and to do it live oh, and yeah. it be consistent is incredibly difficult. Is that a
0: trivia question this week? How many fingers am I holding up?
1: Uh, Eleven. All of them, yeah. Bill. They're
0: holding them all. <laughs> yeah, Abbott and Costello started off as vaudeville, moved on to radio, and then had a very uh, a successful movie career, and then a re- uh, t- television career after that as well. Yep, yep. I have just about all of the Abbott and Costello movies. They they, they came out as box sets, and I bought them all.
1: They were responsible for the sort of resurgence in uh, in interest in Universal's horror films because they had they'd fallen into like low budget town, right. And then they did what well, Abbott and Costello I meet mean, Frankenstein. I think was the one that sort of reinvigorated the all the franchises, and they started making more monster movies after that.
0: Right. I think they did a Wolfman one as well. And and, uh, and we'll probably talk more about this again in a couple of minutes. But Bud Abbott is probably in my either either first or second. The tiebreaker will come later. Straight man, the be, the like the best straight man in in uh, right. you know comedy history. Let's uh let's get on to the a firecracking Fourth of July.
1: There's a whole bunch of things we could talk about on the Fourth of July, but I'm gonna pick the one that is the closest uh, and nearest and dearest to my heart. Fourth of July, 2015, Matt Megatoad Stony defeats eight times hot dog eating champion Joey Jaws Chestnut at the annual Nathan's Famous Coney Island hot dog eating contest by consuming 62 hot dogs. Oh my god! And then what? Do you know what the time frame is on the? When I watch the video, it. it seems to take place in real time and it's like they have like 5 minutes my god which is not a lot of time to eat 62 hot dogs oh let me tell no. you.
0: like the remember yeah the weird contest when you were a kid like you can't eat a slice of bread in under a minute it's 62 hot dogs
1: 62 hot dogs and Look, I'm a vegetarian. I'm not not telling you what lifestyle choices to make. But when when it when it finally breaks, when I finally go, give up on vegetarianism, which it's gonna happen inevitably, right. it's gonna be hot dogs that break me. Hot dogs are one of my absolute favorite things in the whole world to eat. Uh so sitting here watching Matt Megatoad Stony on YouTube as we're researching the show this week, gobble down hot dogs. All I wanted to do was cook a whole packet of hot dogs and eat them all.
0: There there are a lot of vegetarian options. You know, foods that are made, you know, from plant matter and stuff like that. And I have had vegetarian hot dogs that are very good. And I have had vegetarian hot dogs that I don't know what the hell I was eating. It was shaped like a hot dog, but it it did not have any other resemblance to a hot
1: dog whatsoever. Yeah, see, my for me with hot dogs is I don't like those odds. So (laughs) with – (laughs) <laughs> with hot dogs made out of animal matter, I don't care what animals are in them. They all taste good, right. all of them. Yep. From the hot dogs that you like that you get where it's like hot dogs is spelled wrong on the packet <laughs> to the ones that are like this, you know, sconelands, natural casing, whatever, mm-hmm. the ones that are like expensive, they all taste awesome. I don't care. They're great. My concern with ones that aren't made of animal products is like, it's just that defeats the whole purpose of the hot dog, I think.
0: The ones that I had, the vegetarian hot dogs that I had that were really good, they were really, like, the texture was right, the flavor was right. They, they they actually had a lot of flavor to it. A lot of times with those Impossible Meats, they have a little too much flavor, and that's how these hot dogs were. They were perfect. They had this perfect thing to them. However, they produce the amount and uh, and potency of intestinal gas that yeah. that could end a marriage. Yeah, yeah it was Awful. Like, my coworker was like yelling at me. He's like, dude, what is wrong with you?
1: (laughs) I did that to myself with a black bean burger back at a job that I used to have. It was so good, though, but it it took so long to get my pelvis back up my ass that I just never ate one again after that. I I farted so hard, some of my vertebrae came out. (laughs) He said
0: to me, He goes, what did you eat? And I was like, oh, these like vegetarian (laughs) hot dogs. Never. Eat those again on a work night. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Words to live yep, by. Yep.
0: And real quick, what's your favorite uh, hot dog topping? What's If you're going to have a hot dog, what are you eating?
1: Yeah, I can't say topping as a single item. I just can't. If, if I was sitting down and I was laying out a plate of delicious hot dogs, it would be sauerkraut, mustard, onions, pickles, hot peppers, and just a little bit of ketchup.
0: Oh, you're a pregnant girl. Uh, I'm pretty simple. I, I like cheese dogs and I'll I'll mix I'll mix it up every once in a while with a chili dog.
1: I, I like I love chili dogs. I like cheese dogs too. But like if I was just, like I'm all about the kraut the vinegary stuff on it. It's so good. I ate a two
0: freaking foot long hot dog at Universal Studios.
1: It was it was vulgar. I didn't I didn't have any hot dogs when I was here, but I did have hamburgers and I watched a mother have a meltdown in the Fantastic Four Cafe. <laughs> Because her two kids ate her extra pickles before she got to the table. And she like (laughs) legit, she like legit had a psych, psychotic episode. You are going up for adoption, you little (laughs) s**t. She was like, those were my pickles. You ate my pickles. And the father's like, oh my God, did you eat your mother's pickles? And she's like, that's the only thing that's keeping me from killing you all is those pickles. And the poor kids were like. We just wanted some pickles. She's like, I hate you! I hate this whole family! Yeah. Like, I, I looked at my kids and I'm like, I don't know if we want to eat here anymore. <laughs> it was super funny to watch that woman have her. She just went right over <laughs> the edge. Right as we watched, it was awesome. I'd never seen anybody have a complete nervous breakdown before over pickles, but there it was. All right, so celebrity
0: birthdays. We have June 28th, 1980s movie icon, John Cusack, born in 1966.
1: The Thinking Man's Teen Heartthrob, I think, is <laughs> always. A, that how I is, always love yeah, that. that is
0: a good way to uh, describe him. I mean, be- probably best known for Better Off Dead and then like almost a companion film is One Crazy Summer.
1: They're basically yep. the same movie. They're very yeah. similar. Yes. I like him. He had a pretty varied career after that too, and it wasn't say anything and some cool like action type movies and stuff and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, good yeah, guy. Yeah, good yeah, good Ghost
0: Point Blank. That was pretty cool. I like, I like that one. And High Fidelity too. I mean, he had been. I love that movie. He had been movie. gone for a long time. Like he didn't make a lot of movies, and then High Fidelity came out, and it was like he didn't age at all. He looks exactly the same. He still looks exactly the same.
1: Yeah, yeah he does. He definitely does. It's funny. I watched High Fidelity a couple of weeks back with my daughter. She'd never seen it, and I hated it when it came out in two thousand five or so. And I, I ended up loving it. Let's go figure. So I guess I aged into the movie somehow, but I uh, really enjoyed it.
0: I only saw it once, a bunch of probably about fifteen years ago. I should go back and watch it. All right,
1: next up. June 29th, 1920. Stop motion animation pioneer Ray Harryhausen, special effects artist who who redefined special effects and science fiction filmmaking in the 1960s and 70s and a little bit earlier than that even, uh, is born. He died in 2013, but he was his Im- influence has still is still being felt in science fiction films today. All right,
0: name a couple of things that he's done so that we know
1: who you're talking the about. Clash of the Titans. Oh. So, working sort of backwards. Clash of the Titans, that's him. Yeah, yeah. the whole release the Kraken, that's him. Yeah. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, uh, Black Scorpion, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Well, you
0: you uh, had me at Clash of the Titans. Yeah, of- I've seen that movie a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah.
1: Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which the 1998 Godzilla was based on.
0: Right. And they did a remake of Clash of the Titans like not that long ago. And everybody was like, no, you don't need that. We've got it.
1: Right. Yeah. I- Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And and yeah, and, and and really like and and really that was a lot of the criticism like, no, no, that this is, you know, no matter what you do it's not going to be it's paced differently for sure, but it's not going to be as good as the original one. Not only
0: that, it's Greek mythology. You could call it something else. You could just make another movie about Greek mythology. Jumping forward to yes. June the 30th, uh, a man whose name is unbelievably hard to pronounce. It's I believe it's Ingve Ingve Malmsteen. He was born in
1: 1963. He is one of those guitar players. Yeah, he, yeah. he plays guitar like he's got 27 fingers. Yeah, yeah. on each hand.
0: Ingve Malmsteen, to the best of my knowledge, started out in a band called Alcatraz.
1: Do you remember them? I do. At all things being equal, I remember them because. When we talked about this before the show, you said you remember Alcatraz, and I said I have no idea who they are. And then I saw the video, and I was like, I remember them! Oh yeah, yeah, that song's great. They had a song called "Island, Island in
0: the, the Sun, Sun," right? And the and the yeah. singer for Alcatraz was Graham Bonnet, who's my favorite yeah. vocalist from
1: Rainbow, right? For, yeah, fantastic set of pipes on that guy! Oh, for sure.
0: for sure. And I had a friend over the house one time, and I, we were talking about music, and I was like, Oh my god, dude, do you know who Graham Bonnet is? And I was trying to show him what an excellent singer he was. And then I put, I made the mistake of putting on Alcatraz. Now "Island in the Sun" is a great song with a great hook. That that chorus will stick with you, you know. Mm-hmm. But the opening line of the song is "They called it the rock," and I'm like, <laughs> "We got to get beyond this. Just get beyond right. that." It's like the it starts right. off horrible, but the rest of the, yeah,
1: it's like the initial sip of moxie. It's terrible, yes. but then. Yeah. It gets better. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, it, Moxie doesn't. It's
0: terrible, and then you realize that there's Coca-Cola right beneath it. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly.
0: Yep. Uh, and then Yvonne Malmsteen broke away from Alcatraz and had his own solo career for a while, and one of the vocalists that ended up in his band was Jolin Turner, who- ah, also from Rainbow. Yeah, who took Graham Bonnet's place in Rainbow. Yeah.
1: Right, right. right. Yep. He was stealing from Rainbow, and he broke out of jail. So that's pretty yep. good for a Swedish guy.
0: He broke out of- They called it The Rock!
1: All right, moving forward. All right, July first, July first, nineteen fifty-two. Uh, everyone's favorite compatriot for the Blues Brothers, Dan Aykroyd, Canadian American uh, actor, was on SNL and everything else, uh, and Ghostbusters and stuff. Probably my
0: first favorite straight man. Trading places back and forth with Bud Abbott. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is a fantastic straight man comedian.
1: Now he's both the straight man and he's like his own. He's on. Have you seen interviews with him lately? Oh, he's it's like, like cuckoo bananas. Yeah. It's like 20, 25% buy my vodka, 25% my vodka doesn't have flavor packets in it, whatever that means. Right. And then 50% UFOs and Bigfoot. <laughs> He's, he's out there. He's really interesting to listen to. Especially if you put him with somebody who's skeptical, who, like, takes pieces of his stuff apart yeah. and doesn't believe him, it's really fun to watch. Yeah, it. he's got a, you know, a brother
0: that's, like, they're both cuckoo like that. Yeah. yeah. All into, like, UFOs and conspiracy theories and stuff, and it's like, I don't know, man. I just gave up on anything like that. Like, I, like I don't even have conversations with people whenever they stop. Right. Oh, I don't believe anything that... The, uh, whatever. I'm gonna... You know, whatever makes you happy, because it doesn't sound like that yep. makes you happy. <laughs> right. Just makes you insane. Hey, you know what makes people happy? Alcohol. And you know <laughs> you know whose birthday it is on uh, July the 2nd of 1986? Uh, shooting star, somebody with unlimited potential who crashed to earth like a meteor, Lindsay Lohan. Poor thing. Ah, Lindsay Lohan. Poor thing.
1: Poor, well, I don't know. I think she's doing okay as far as things go, but... Yeah, she definitely had potential that I don't know if it was the it if it was the media that squandered it for her or she did it herself or whatever. But I, I will say that I I had a, a Volkswagen that that had been named the Lindsay Lohan wagon for many years until that. it yep. was finally traded, and it was named the Lindsay Lohan wagon because it was beautiful. Oh, and some of my friends uh, were jealous that I got to spend so much time inside of it, and uh, it only drank premium. And w- it was unreliable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say you know, it spent time in the uh, in the repair department. Like she spent time it in, definitely did. In it was super yeah. expensive
1: to get it rehabbed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, she started out as a as a you know a child actress on you know with the Parent Trap and other Disney stuff, and her trajectory was upwards at forty five degrees, and then she just crashed and burned. She the yep. yeah. She put out a pretty good record not going to lie. Right. It's not terrible. Right,
1: yeah. I guess it was like right after she did that Herbie fully loaded. and Yeah, I think that was the last. Mean Girls. And I then think, sort of she never really recovered after that. Yeah,
0: that's that, that was like her peak. Either, either fully. I don't know which one came out first. Either fully loaded or Mean Girls. I don't either. But yeah, that was, that was the top of the mountain. And then after that, it just.
1: Like she had a. I remember watching a more. This is when I was either in between. I think I might have been in between jobs. And I was watching a morning show, a morning news show where she was coming on to sing and it was another like terrifying lip sync disaster on like the today show that wiped out her music career. She never recovered from that. She was more famous for being in the news than anything else that she was doing, which is a shame because she's a pretty good actress and she's a good singer.
0: You know, it's hilarious. And I I have somebody that brings this up to me like every once in a while too we had gone to see the, the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, right? You know, the trailers that ran before that movie, one of the movies was Herbie Fully Loaded. And Lindsay Lohan was a beautiful, beautiful young girl. And she, like I said, her trajectory was upwards of 45 degrees. And I said to one of my friends, that girl could do no wrong. And it was like an hour later <laughs> that, that she just like crashed to earth, yeah. I actually went to see her, uh, her horror movie, I Know Who Killed Me.
1: Yeah, that was something else.
0: All right, uh, (laughs) next up,
1: July the 3rd. July 3rd, 1962. Uh, Another person who's known for also being strange with regard to personal life is Tom Cruise.
0: Another person that made, like, John Cusack, this weird deal with the devil that he will not age.
1: He's not age. I'll also say this, and, you know, I'm willing to throw a a brand-new dollar bill down on my desk right here and then pick it back up put it in my pocket. But Tom Cruise has never made a bad movie. He's never been in a bad movie. He's super good about picking projects that showcase his skills, Mm -hmm. and he's always entertaining to watch. I'm
0: sure there's some movies that he's in that I don't care for, but that does not mean that they're bad movies. Legend is not my genre, so I, I don't yep. like that movie, but I'm sure it's fantastic for the people
1: that he's, do love he's it. He's great yeah. he's good in it. Yeah. It's not my not my genre either, but he's good in it. Yep. He's great and he's and he plays against type. He doesn't have a particular type. Right. He does a lot of action stuff, but he also does like he was in Tropic Thunder in a big fat suit. That playing movie was the great. He movie was producer, awesome
0: in that movie. Less Les
1: Goldman. Yeah. Right. That's the funniest thing in that whole movie. I've watched that scene four hundred thousand million times. Yep. It's everything in that film is perfect. He was amazing in Magnolia. Uh, he was fantastic. Like, he was fantastic in Live, Die, Repeat. Like, everything he's been in has been really, really, really good and very, very varied and different. They, From Jerry Maguire all the way up to the Mission Impossible. All yeah, the King, Mission
0: Impossible King, movies Impossible. are so good, too. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I remember like uh, th- that same friend that I was trying to show Alcatraz to. He brought over one of the uh, Mission Impossible movies, and I was just like, ah, it's Tom Cruise. He goes, dude. You need yeah, to see these, yeah, these nope, movies. Yep, and no, they're are really good yeah. good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But and that's funny that his birthday is the 3rd of July because he made that movie Born on the 4th of <laughs> July. And I'm, I'm right. sure, like, over and over again, he must have been on the set. Actually, my birthday is July the 3rd. I was born on the 3rd of July.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you didn't laugh at that, you were automatically enrolled in a Scientology course. Yeah, he starts, he well. starts
0: yelling at you on set, right?
1: <laughs> but... No, um, PUT the I, mask on <laughs> brilliant, brilliant actor.
0: You know who else is pretty brilliant? Born on the fourth of July 1970- Look at that. 1971, Coco, the Sign Language Gorilla.
1: <laughs> hey, all right. Happy birthday, Coco. Yeah. Or as they say, in sign language, which none of you can see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was be pounding my chest. Playboy. It wasn't they used to do the Playboy interview, you know, but there was also another interview segment that they used to do called 20 questions. And they actually did 20 questions with with Coco the Gorilla. Yeah. What were Coco's turn-ons, Bill? <laughs> Long walks on the beach and bananas. <laughs> Two things I can say about Coco the Gorilla. One, uh, they brought Coco to meet Fred Rogers, or Mr. Rogers, yeah, or brought Fred right. Rogers to meet Coco. I, I, right. I'm going to guess he travels quicker and better than Coco does. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, Fred Rogers met with Coco, the gorilla. And the first thing Coco did was try to take off his shoes because that's what yeah. she would always see him do on television. Yeah.
1: Right. I, I've seen that video. Yeah. That's a great video. That's
0: really cute and funny. Yeah. The other thing was now, sign language, you know, ASL, what they taught Coco how to speak in, it's not every word in the sentence. You know, it's 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 enough to get the point across and stuff like that. So the twenty the twenty questions interview, Coco was saying, you know, things like you know, Coco happy, Coco sleepy, stuff like that, right?
1: Coco love.
0: I yeah. laughed so hard because there was a joke on married with children that like kind of went right over everybody's head. Kelly was talking. They they wanted everybody was going to do something, and they it was kind of like they all had to turn on on al and yeah. kelly refused you know and she says i will not turn on my father just like i wrote in my just like i wrote in my seventh grade term paper daddy good sleepy now <laughs> which is like exactly how coco the gorilla talked in language. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard coco play like the piano Gosh, you know I, I no, haven't. No, because no, you probably wouldn't recognize it because it's it sounds like <laughs> the worst song ever.
1: Uh, Jeff, I know this is a, this is a special one for you, uh, Bill. This one's all. This is the all Bill. I don't uh, worst song ever. I
0: don't know if you have any songs at your disposal that you can think of that have your name in the
1: title. Fortunately, there are none. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: sure there's one somewhere that there's like a Jeff song somewhere. It, it, your songs with your name in the title don't make it to freaking number one, do they? It's true. Okay. I have the luxury of having many songs <laughs> with my name in the title. You know, whenever you're a little kid, I think I was like five years old, right? I, 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 I don't like being teased now. I certainly didn't like it then. And there was this Freaking song, <laughs> Billy, no don't be a hero. Yeah, by Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, and I think
1: somebody else too. Yeah, Bo
0: Donaldson, the Haywoods, you freaking leave me alone with that damn song. <laughs> so yeah, everybody would like you know. Oh, and this is Billy. Oh, Billy, don't be a hero. Oh God. So wait, hold on. Before we go, I'll I'll forget if I don't do it right now. Here's the clip. Here's. Uh-huh. Here's my childhood wrapped up in a ball just to annoy the hell out of you. Single freaking day of kindergarten, I had that song sung to me. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So the song, all right. So the song that we just played is by a band called Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Yes. Hey, would you fuck off? So <laughs> right, they uh, they started in 1965 out out of Cincinnati.
1: I, I think they were discovered touring as an opening act for the Osmond Brothers, which. I don't know where they would be, but they they ended up on like family family town records or family friendly records or something. It's yeah, red flag number one. It's definitely a record label that caters to the Osmonds' audience,
0: (laughs) right? Mormons. So yeah, they put out one album with that record label called Someone Special. So that came out like seventy two. So here they're they're around for like seven years. I don't know what else they were doing, but they weren't making hits. So in nineteen seventy four, they said, "Hey." Uh, here's this song over in England called Billy Don't Be a Hero by a band called Paper Lace. Paper Lace had this number one song over in England, but it didn't chart in the States. Uh, Bo and Company said, hey, let's cash in on that meal ticket. Right. And it's not like Paper Lace was like an unheard of band. Unknown.
1: Right. Yeah, they already had a hit in the US with uh, The Night Chicago Died. Right,
0: yeah. It's really funny. If you go over to Spotify, and you look at uh, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, if you look at their top five songs, number one, you have Billy Don't Be a Hero. Number two is their follow-up song, Uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, And number three is also Billy Don't Be a Hero. (laughs) And the other two are just like some other songs. But the the punchline of this, while I was looking up the, uh, the, the line notes for the show and all that, is Paper Lace. If you go to their Spotify, number one is uh, The Night Chicago Died.
1: Chicago Died. Number two
0: is The Night Chicago Died. Number three is (laughs) Billy Don't Be a Hero. Number four, The Night Chicago Died. And number five is also Billy Don't Be a Hero.
1: (laughs) What surprised me was that, like, Paper Lace had a hit with this song in the U.S. too. It was, like, just a few weeks later, or a few weeks before, it had gone to, like, number four, right? So I I feel, like, bad for Casey Kasem, who, at at the tender age of 150 in 1974, right, four years into uh, American... Uh, American Top Forty. He had to. He had to like and climb in the charts. It's uh, Billy, don't be a hero. Where have I, where have I heard that title before? <laughs> Wasn't this on the charts like two weeks ago? What the hell? Yeah, think- what, this is ponderous, man. This is ponderous. How are we going to come out of a up-tempo record and talk about a dog dying, right? And and have one of his sort of legendarily recorded insane rants. <laughs> But it must have, it must have been one of those things that drove him up the up the wall when bands did this, and this was like super duper common in the 1970s.
0: And it's it's one of those story songs like we always like you know lament about, yeah. you know, uh, the the army recruiters are going down the street, and Billy's over there thinking, "Hey, that's a good idea." And this is 1974, so like Vietnam, it's kind of in its last legs, but Vietnam is still a thing, you know. Right. So Billy goes off to war, and Billy ends up dying in said war, and is fiance gets a letter saying that billy died a hero and she was like i told you so told you right. so didn't i and she ends up throwing the letter away and you know for such a dark song it's got a really peppy upbeat kind of it's got all flutes and stuff like that at the yeah, beginning. yeah you can
1: thank you can thank the brits for that because paperless was a british band the ones that originally did this and everything that they did sounded like herman's hermits and it didn't matter what the topic of the song was right. and i think that's because that's what british pop music was like at the time so everything sounded like someone tells me i into something good and it's you know a dear john letter to a guy on a battlefield but
0: that's like uh steve martin says you can't write a depressing song on the banjo it's like yeah. death destruction and hate and war <laughs> yeah exactly bo donaldson or whatever the hell his name is uh, yep. bo yeah they they go into like the Don Johnson school of uh, record things, and Paper Lace wasn't much better. Where they release one album, a uh, second album, and then a greatest hits album, so you don't yep. need to buy the other two.
1: And the greatest hits are the first two songs on side one, <laughs> and then everything and everything else is just the filler tracks from the other two records. With so
0: real yeah. wide spaces in between the songs. <laughs>
1: What surprises me too about this is like I can see, you know, we've talked about like Terry Jacks, right, yeah. doing Seasons of the Sun, which was originally in French. Yes. Right? And we've we've talked about like Major well, we haven't talked about it as a war song ever, but it's come up as like Major Tom, which was originally in German. Right. Or 99 Love Balloons which is originally in German. But this one was done in English. It was like and it was only a month old and it was already being covered here. And you know what
0: right. else too about having your name in a song? Not all that long before that, like a couple of years, was that song "The Wedding Bell Blues." Come on and marry me, Bill. You know, I got that. Billy, don't, uh, uh, Billy, don't lose that number.
1: Uh, That's a good song, though, and, and it, it gives you helpful advice, Bill. Yeah, 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 exactly. Don't lose that number. And then this song over here, Billy, don't be a you hero. Know, this is a lot of
0: pressure to be putting on a little kid, you know. <laughs> Come on and marry me, Bill. It's like, I'm five years old. Right. I just want to watch Captain
1: Kangaroo. Leave me the hell alone. I don't want to be a hero for anybody. Yep. I want to be an innocent bystander. Yeah, I'm good. I won't be a hero. I I promise. Just leave me the fuck alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Let's get back to my always uh, wildly received and and very popular trivia question. Oh, boy. Uh, There are two... Words in the English language that have double letters three times in a row. Okay. You, do you understand yeah. what I mean?
1: I do. Okay. It's like Mississippi without any eyes in it. Right. So that's my guess. That's
0: your guess. The two words are, and it's kind of cheating because the the two words are like related. So bookkeeper and bookkeeping Oh. are the two words in the English language that have three letters in a row. So you have B-O-O-K-K-E-E-P-E-R.
1: Huh. An I N G and I N G that's tr- true. And I almost thought that you say that that beekeeper would fall in there, but there's a, there's no K it'd have to be beak keeper. Somebody <laughs> who kept a bird and then it would be two K's <laughs> it spelled it well-known wrong. Dutch author. <laughs> and it's spelled wrong. Right. <laughs> bee- that was a good trivia question. Bill. Beekeeper. Yeah. That's, that's fun. Yep. All I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to double letter my way off the show now.
0: Yep. Well, that's how they, uh, if you ever start getting into code breaking, the first thing you do is you look for double edits. And if you see three in a row like that, you're like, I know this word, bookkeeper. Bookkeeper. And it ends up being beekeeper because the Zodiac doesn't know how to spell. (laughs) No wonder they haven't found that guy. All right, but that's going to wrap up the show for this week. We will see you back here in roughly seven days.
1: Say goodnight, Jeff. Hey, goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, Jeff. Goodnight, everybody. All right, bye, guys. Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook and Instagram at Twibley, or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Subscribe if you haven't already, and tell your friends. They probably need a cool podcast to listen to as well. And if you don't like this week's episode, there'll be one next week, and it'll probably be better.